0: Hi, I'm Dennis Cornelison. If you downloaded this, then you probably already know that Darker Projects is one of the premier producers of quality audio fiction on the internet. But did you ever wonder what goes on behind the scenes? This podcast takes you inside the creative process with interviews from various cast and crew members. You'll find out things you never knew. Welcome to Behind the Scenes at Darker Projects.
1: Well, hello everybody. Chris Snyder here from Darker Projects, head of the post production department and producer of the Falcon Banner, and co-producer of Sword of Windsor and Night Terrors and Generation One. Wow, I've done a lot of stuff for Darker Projects in the post area, from uh, Falcon Banner, Generation One, Night Terrors. I think I did an Alive Inside episode. Lots of, lots of things, lots of fun things. Doctor Who, that sort of thing. Uh, and now we're branching out. We've got a lot of new, great new post-producers. Um, Byron Lee, Matt McLaren, and uh, a new guy who's coming in, uh, John West. Some, uh, some really great people that are starting to expand our post-production family and give me a bit of a break. <laughs> well, let's see. Some of the questions I was asked to discuss. Humble beginnings of post-production. Um, well, let's see. I got my first tape recorder when I was two. And... Uh, Ever since then, I've just had a fascination with recording things and making different types of noises and seeing how they come out. And um, Oh, God, when I got two tape recorders, there was no stopping me. I'd put them together, or make different types of sounds and and put them together and make little very, very amateurish audio dramas. Thankfully, most of that stuff has been burned uh, in the fires of Mount Doom, so no one can ever find it. Um, When I got my first... CD player, dual tape recorder, microphone, stereo combo. I also got my paws on a uh, Star Trek original series sound effects CD. And I started putting together original series books that were narrated by someone at the Library of Congress. I would put them together with sound effects and stuff so that uh, it would make them more interesting for my dad, who used to be a uh, sales representative for a company and had to travel around a lot. So. Instead of just giving him the dry recordings of the narration, I gave him um, tapes of all the sound effects and the and the narration and everything. So, oh, and then there was the Bewitched craze I went through. The first, the very first time I got interested in like interesting sound effects uh, that that I didn't make was Bewitched. And when I was about eight or nine, I started cataloging and and collecting all of the Bewitched sound effects. Anything I could get that didn't have music on it or dialogue on it, I cataloged them. Out with a tape recorder and a patch cord uh, to the television set, and I would just collect them. i tape each episode and then separate out the sound effects and... have a ball. <laughs> did the same thing with Star Trek The Next Generation when it came around, and uh, that was when it really, when my sound effect ideas, like, really started to take off, and so... I've been amassing a collection of sound effects forever and ever and ever. At the end of high school, I tried to go to college and then realized that it wasn't for me because they didn't have a sound program, and All I could do was major in a music uh, type of thing, and I wasn't really into that uh, as much as I thought I would be, so I applied to the Conservatory of Recording Arts and Sciences in Tempe, Arizona, and I was denied because they didn't think a blind person could get much out of their program, and the pervasive attitude in Hollywood and in audio production circles is that blind people can't create good quality audio. Now, I think I've certainly put the lie to that. So after that, I was offered a private apprenticeship and I took it, and learned the ins and outs of audio production, um, mainly on a Mac, believe it or not. Uh, I'd been working with uh, PC, SoundForge, and, and, and different PC programs for a while, but I learned how to do it on Pro Tools, and then lived in California doing television work, uh, audio description for television, for a couple of years. And eventually, Hollywood decided they didn't want to do that anymore, so that job kind of went away, and then... Uh, came back home to Arizona and picked up where I left off on the PC. Only I found a new program called GoldWave, and Gold Wave is just the most wonderful, rock-on program I've ever had for producing sound. I, uh, I don't think I would change programs unless somebody gave me a really good reason. So how do I mix an audio show? Well, uh, first I start out with a background sound, like uh, if it's at a party then I get a crowd of people, or if it's on a ship then I get the sound of the ship background that I want. Um, then I paste in the dialogue and sometimes the footsteps, depending on the situation. Uh, because panning, to me, is really important. It's important to me to set up a, kind of a realistic audio soundscape. I don't I don't like it too much when all of the voices are pan-center and all this stuff is happening around your ears, but the voices aren't reflecting that. It drives me crazy. So I, I go ahead and I pan the voices where I think they ought to be in the room and then uh, mix that on top of the background, uh, put in the sound effects like chairs or or other footsteps, or or computer noises, or whatever it happens to be. Uh, On top of all that, then once all the dialogue and sound effects are laid down for the show, then I put on the reverb for the room. Um, I find that when you're dealing with situations like Darker Projects has, where we've got actors coming from all over the world with different microphones and and different recording situations, one of the best ways to um, hide the different microphone types and the different types of uh, sounds that they come up with is reverb. Reverb really works well for that sort of thing. Um, Of course, the first thing you have to do with your dialogue is make a noise filter to get rid of any of the background noise, uh, such as the running of your computer fan. I always tell our new incoming voice actors to just send me raw voice files. In other words, don't have a compressor or or don't, don't try to filter them yourself, just let me take care of it because that way I can try to make people sound a little more uniform almost like they're in the same room, or at least as much as possible in that situation. The other thing I've been telling people lately is that uh, it's important to make sure that we don't have any popping peas and air noises coming into their microphones. See, this microphone has a filter, uh, has a not a filter, but a foam muffler on it, so it doesn't um, allow too much of the popping peas and, and noises like that. Um, but a lot of the microphones out there don't. So I asked them to work, it, uh, work the microphone a hand span away from their face and put the microphone at an angle to their mouth, so maybe put it um, off to the right a little bit or off to the left a little bit so that we uh, don't have direct mouth contact with the microphone, no, no popping peas and no, no what they call plosives, no air pushing into the microphone. So anyway, we put a noise filter on, then we do our dialogue, and the music, I mean, and the uh, the sound effects, then the reverb, and then last but not least, I put the music on. And I mix that in with the rest of the track. I actually wait until the entire show is done before I put the music in, um, because I find that sometimes the music needs to carry over into the next scene, or sometimes it makes a great bridge, or... <clears throat> you know, there's just no telling with the music about what kind of timing you need, so I like to try to fit the um, scenes around the music so that we have the right timing. Once all the lines are in from a production, it does take a while to get the thing mixed. Um, it really depends on the complexity of the scene. Now, if you're just talking, if it's if it's two people or, or three people or whatever talking back and forth in a room, it's, that part is really easy. But when you get to an action scene where you've got a space battle or, uh, or a physical fight or, or whatever, there is a lot of planning and a lot of sound effects and a lot of timing that has to go into that. And so, I've actually spent um, five hours or more on on a you know four minute or five minute scene that has a lot of action. Um, whereas a dialogue scene, I can just breeze right through it. Those those big scenes take a while. So the time it takes for a production can vary. Oh, and it also depends on the detail in a soundscape. If you've got you know little details that have to be heard. Or whatever, um, in a soundscape that aren't having to do with action but are are something that you're gonna have to be, uh, that you're gonna have to time out and stuff. That can take a while as well, and so the timing varies on every project. It also depends on how much time I have personally. You guys ready? You know the drill minimal operations and we scoot, right? Okay, on board. I'll be in the cockpit.
2: We all set? Seem to be. Boss, E-X-O-1 on Deck L1 Taxi.
0: EXO-1 Taxi Cat 2 Squawk 0 fiver
2: 4 2 Cat 2 for E-X-O-1 Squawking 0 fiver 4 2 E dash X-O-1 requesting right turnout.
0: Zero 01. Right turnout approved. Button 4.
2: Good day. Switching. Thanks, boss.
1: EXO one, this is Night Leader with you. We're outbound 040, 15 miles. You have seven one hundred twenties flying escorts.
2: Good afternoon, Night Leader.
0: Excalibur Control to EX-01. Go ahead. exo one you will be out of radio contact once you enter the nebula. Be advised, our navigational beacons will be active to give you a point of reference. Try not to get lost in there.
2: Acknowledged, Excalibur Control. Wish us luck.
0: EX-01, good luck.
1: And I think that's true of all the post-producers. It just depends on how much time we have to devote to a project straight away, you know, straight on without any breaks. Because um, oftentimes if you try to take a break in the middle, you really lose the groove, you lose the feeling of your production, and it takes a while to get back into that groove again. I work with another company uh, who does westerns, and let me tell you, it's really hard to jump from a western to a sci-fi back to a western and then to a sci-fi again. It's, it's certainly not easy. But it's a lot of fun, and that's the key. I think it's important that we have a lot of fun do. Vivid descriptions of hallucinations while under caffeine and enduring a night without any sleep while post-producing. Hmm. Well, I've had a few, certainly. <laughs> a lot of times I'm just wired and can't stop moving, and so even after the show's done I can't go to sleep to sit there and listen to it and check it and play it on the surround system and see how it all sounds and oh man there's just uh sometimes I just can't I can't wind down it's not it's not an easy wind down for me after getting a production done but I do work best at night on these productions so I do tend to stay up a lot of nights and drink a lot of caffeine and, uh, and work straight through until a production is done on the other hand there have been times when my body has totally rebelled against me be sitting here doing a post scene and my body will say you are not staying up tonight into just it it'll just shut down and I'll I'll just my head will drop onto my chest and off to sleep I will go I wake up some hours later in the chair still with headphones on (laughs) on occasion the sound has been looping in my earphones for the entire time (laughs) oh man the joys of (laughs) post-production my grandmother when I was a little kid and we talked about what I would be when I grow up. She said, do something that makes you happy. Do something that you can see yourself doing until you die. And she was right. She was very right. That is why I've chosen post-production as my livelihood and also my hobby. <laughs> How many people can say that they love taking their, their, their work home with them? I am one of those people. I'm very lucky to have found this job. Well, once again, I'm Chris Snyder, and I thank you for listening to my incoherent ramblings, and uh, please come back and and check with us again soon. I'm sure we'll have another behind-the-scenes again. And by all means, if you wish to contact me, uh, either as a post-producer or as the producer of Falcon Banner, don't hesitate to email me at chris at DarkerProjects.com. Until then, live long and prosper.
0: You've been listening to Behind the Scenes at Darker Projects. Featured in this episode was Chris Snyder. This series is produced by Ellie Hirschman. Post-production on this episode by Dennis Cornelison. The Executive producer of Darker Projects is Eric Busby. Theme music by Oakman's Dreamland. Downloads available at soundclick.com. This has been a Darker Projects production. For more audio and podcasts, please visit www.darkerprojects.com.